three, two, one. Inhale deep. Welcome to Deep Sniff, the beats of our bodies. I'm Adam Smith, my pronouns are he, him, and I am the author of a book called Deep Sniff, A History of Poppers and Queer Futures. It's published by Repeater Books, and I wanted to make a little three-part mini-series about the music of Deep Sniff and the poppers, because music was really important to me when I was writing the book. Um, it was also partly important because it was in lockdown, and it was my only way of, um, you know, kind of dancing uh, by myself in my room. So I wanted to make this um, radio series. It's not really a podcast about um about the music of deep sniff and i'm gonna have a special guest each episode and we're gonna listen to a bunch of music that um somehow connects with like the queer identity queer ideas of deep sniff um, and poppers and ourselves and my special guest in this first episode is tash walker hello tash Hello, Adam. Thank you for having me. And would you like to introduce yourself? Always. Um, I'm Tash Walker. My pronouns are she, they. I am an avid reader of Deep Sniff and also lover of queer history. I also love the fact that you've got both your little shot of whiskey there <laughs> and your little feel new herbal tea next to you. These are the two drinks that Tash ordered yeah. um, as we started on this journey. So, okay, Tash, our theme today is going to be what's the history of the future? How do you feel about that? Fantastic. It's one of those questions that puts you right out there. You sort of don't really understand it until you start thinking about it and until we start talking about it, right? <laughs> exactly. Okay, well, let's go. So our first song uh, is going to be from 1982. It is Do You Want a Funk by Patrick Cowley and Sylvester. So here we go. Let's get our funk on. Do it.
Do you want to funk? Yes, I want to funk. I want to funk. <laughs> How are you feeling, Adam? I'm feeling like I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to funk. I that just <laughs> that song makes me just want to dance. It is such a, an amazing like disco tune. Yeah. Um, it just really makes you want to funk. Oh my god, I can feel my shoulders still moving. Can you see it? <laughs> I can see it. <laughs> Listeners, Tash is sitting there in an armchair, but managing to dance with the armchair. It's like a, a, a partnership. Do you want to funk? <laughs> also, I love the way that funk is just like a euphemism, but not really for fuck. Mm. Like, because that's what it is. Do you want to fuck? Well, it's it's the question, isn't it? Do you, are you asking me that now? <laughs> it's because that's what we hear first, right? Why do we hear fuck rather than funk first? Right, yeah. And I don't know enough about funk music to know that, like, whether actually how, like, whether people that use the word, when the word funk actually started, because funk music is, like, very fucky, right? Mm. And, like, did funk music, were they like, let's call this funk music because it sounds like fuck and it makes you want to fuck? I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe. What came first, funk or fuck? How, <laughs> how did that song make you feel? How did it make me feel? It made me feel good. It made me feel warm. Could be the whiskey. It was, I, I don't know. I love the beat. I love losing yourself to music and when music pours into you in that way that, you sort of lose a concept of time yeah and suddenly the song is nearing the end you don't want yeah. it to end but yet you enjoyed it so much but when were you in it when were you not in it yeah 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 um, and suddenly you're at the end of the track yeah. you're in the future that you were hoping not to get <laughs> to right oh my gosh you've read deep sniff <laughs> <laughs> and i um i also i like the way that it's a collaboration that song with patrick cowley and sylvester and patrick Cowley um, basically made a lot of high energy music like that and that is its own genre of music and it was used a lot in gay porn in the mm. 70s and 80s and um, so that is just quite an interesting thing to think about like the relationship between music and sex on screen and like mm. what what music goes with sex on screen like um, and especially that kind of era of porn production when it in had to involve a lot of like technology that that now it's a lot easier to make porn. You know, everyone yeah. can make it on their phone, but then you needed a lot more equipment. And That's stuff, so and interesting as well. It was an industry. Well. Right, okay. So thinking about like, what is porn? Porn is creating visual representations of people's desires and mm -hmm. what you're desiring is a futuristic thing. Mm. But how often do we desire something that we we can't quite have or we don't quite want mm. without looking back into history and basing it on something that we've experienced or not? Mm. But even if you look back in history on and you want to reenact or relive a history, historical desirous moment, mm. You still have to create it in the future. That's funny because like I think about moments in history, especially gay and queer history, like San Francisco in the 70s mm -hmm. or New York in the 70s. You know, we have these like idealized yeah. ideas of um, what like gay lifestyle was then. And in many ways it was that. And we've both spoken to people who mm -hmm. lived through that and lived that. And obviously also it was not perfect in many, many ways. You know, homophobic societies, um, you know, racism, you know, economic problems, all sorts of those things. And yet we kind of look back at that as like this moment of freedom, mm. um, especially pre-AIDS in the case of like men having sex with men. And um, yeah, it's just interesting to think about like to, to, to desire this history, to desire that moment. Yeah, totally. Well, it's about nostalgia, but it's more complicated nostalgia because what we're doing is we're trying to reclaim the future of today based on things that we saw as a liberated past. Oh yeah. And then you had the 70s, which was this very queer time, queer the future, queering ideas, re deconstructing structural society, yes. right? Heteronormative society. Yes. And we lost that because of HIV and AIDS. So yes. what we're looking at now, when we look back with nostalgia to the 70s, 
is a future that we almost had, a future that it felt like was possible at the, in the 70s. This is why I invited you onto this radio <laughs> show, Tash. Okay, so we're going to go to the next song, which is from 1993. Do you want to introduce this song? I would love to. This is Animal Nitrate by Suede. Wow, that song sounds like so 90s to me. <laughs> I love it. Um, as a child from the 90s. Tash, what was going on for you in the 90s? Oh, so much. So much is going on <laughs> in this little head. Uh, so one of my big memories of the 90s was, um, I think I was around like nine or ten and I was watching a documentary, my parents in the room with my mum, and um, it was about this homosexual kid and uh this homosexual kid and this this difficult time that this teenager was having and i can't remember any more detail than it was 
a really bad thing oh. to be gay and there was wow. a really it was like showing the bad the wrong side of things right oh, wow. and it's a it's a broken memory i don't know what the documentary was i you know maybe i'll never even know but I, what i do remember is my reaction and i had a complete meltdown and and like burst into tears like horrifically crying wow saying to my mum promise me i will never ever be gay promise oh, me that will never happen to me so isn't that fascinating that at the age at the age of like 9 or 10 I was already aware of my future yeah. sexuality, my future identity yeah. in a way, in a moment that was telling me the history of my future is going to be negative. And how like you were watching that and that like that was in a moment which now we know looking back, yeah. well, you didn't know then because you were only like, you know, 10 or whatever. But like, you know, that had the, there was specific... Uh, strand of homophobia at that mm. time it was you know still we were still in the AIDS crisis yeah. and that was still having a huge impact on how people thought about homosexuality um, and LGBT people broadly mm. um, and then we were still before the equalization of the age of consent and all these other things which we now know yeah. and it's like that was feeding in to you know, what was going on on the TV and what was going on for, for people like you. Yeah, absolutely. It's so fascinating, isn't it, to think that I was watching this documentary at the sort of time of the height, just after the height of deaths yeah. because of HIV and AIDS. Yeah. And I was a, no, a nine-year-old queer yeah. who had no yeah. idea what was going on, but all I could see was pain. Did you at all find solace in Suede? Were you a fan of Suede, that <laughs> band, and Brett Anderson, the, um, the lead singer? I, you hearing that song has brought back a lot of nostalgia and memory mm. for me. I, I wasn't a particularly big fan of Suede mm. or, or anything like that, but um, music was somewhere that I turned to for mm. safety. Mm. And the 90s was when I started to find my musical love and interest. Mm. And it's really fascinating to look back at what I was listening to in the 90s. The first cassettes that I bought at 10 years old, music that I curated and created for myself. My parents weren't particularly into music in the way that I have become very into music because it was an expression, a form of understanding of reaching out into a future that I couldn't access. I grew up in Devon, it was very isolated, I felt very alone, mm. but music gave me a, a doorway, a doorway into something that was a brighter, more relatable, more community-led that's experience. It. And that's the magic of music, mm. isn't it? It can transport you somewhere yeah. else and it can transport you to the place where you know you want to go to, but you wouldn't be able to get How there get by there? yourself. And yeah. like, you wouldn't be able to describe it. You wouldn't be able to um, construct it. But um, sometimes you just find a band or a song yeah. or whatever that just takes you there. And you're like, oh my God, that was, that's it. And for me, it was Alanis Morissette, Jagged Little Pill. <laughs> Adam, that's mine. That's mine. That was the Amazing. first album I bought on yes. cassette. I had to like, it, it changed my life. And I've listened to the album so much. This is so funny. I've listened yeah. to the album so much this week because I've been thinking this about week? it so much. Yeah. Oh my God. And it is so angry and it's there's really so angry. much pain and there's so much emotion. I know. And you and I were little angry guys <laughs> because we were battling with something inside of us, yeah. which was which was not accessible. No one was telling us what was going on. And so yeah. all we felt was pain and anger yeah. because we did not understand the language of our minds, yeah. the language that's, of our identity and our sexuality. True. That's true. And what our future would be and everything. And yeah. look at us now, honey. Look at us now. <laughs> Making this radio show for radio. <laughs> um, I, just a bit, tiny fact about Animal Nitrate by Suede mm. is that um, so it, it's it's the result of um, of a mishearing 
apparently Brett Anderson yeah. heard someone talking about um, amyl nitrite um, in like a gig or something and he misheard it as animal nitrate and he didn't know what it was um, of course they were talking about poppers amyl yeah. nitrite um, and he just misheard it as animal nitrate and he was like okay that's an interesting idea and I'm going to make that into a song and that's what he did um, and uh, so yeah thank you for that song Suede and uh, we're going to have to go to our next song now which is going back in time again listeners you may um, feel a little bit discombobulated that we're jumping back and forward in time but I'm sorry that's deep sniff for you yeah. that's queer history we go back and forward all the time <laughs> it's life isn't it's it? life exactly um, boomerang times so we're going to go back to 1978 and we're going to listen to Macho Man by Village People Body, body wanna
mucho macho man. <laughs> I know that's how I continually describe myself, Adam. But why did you why did you put that song? Body, 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 body. I just like the line. You can tell a macho he has a funky walk. Um, really? Show me. Come on. <laughs> it's radio. Um, yeah. Why did I pick that song? Well, Tash, um, I picked that song because there is a whole theme running through Deep Sniff, uh, the book that this uh, mini series is pegged to. Um, <laughs> nice. Any, anyone into pegging? Um, that uh, is all about um, the male. Uh, like gender identity connected with the gay identity. And um, so there's a chapter in the book called The Creation of Man, question mark. Mm. And um, and I wrote about that song a tiny, tiny little bit in that book. And so maybe I'll just read a little bit for yeah, you Yeah, please do. Okay. So... Um, uh, it's it's a little bit about how poppers were advertised in the 70s in the gay press using very, very macho uh, images of men. And there's a, again, there's a couple in the book, actually, that we've reprinted um, with, uh, you know, like those the, like Tom of Finland style mm-hmm. illustrations of guys with like big pecs and like they're, they're standing on the diesel next to the diesel pump and they're on a motorbike and they've bursting got muscles, bursting muscles, yeah, exactly, 18 leather. abs per person, you know, all of that. Um, so uh, here's uh, a reading from Deep Sniff. No committee decided that pecs and abs would become so dominant. That's not how capitalism works. It wasn't inevitable that hench guys would push aside the more swishy bodies on their plush furniture. But somehow, through a combination of reproduction of this image, sexual desire and social aspiration, the kind of man represented in Tom of Finland's drawings became king. According to the historian Jim Downs, he rose to power in the 1970s. No longer did gay newspapers focus on political and social issues. Now they published more and more flashy, glossy images of gay bodies. The macho clone appeared in newspapers, in ads for gay bars and bathhouses, on the covers of pornographic magazines and in every other conceivable place that offered the opportunity for a sketch, photograph or even a cartoon image of a shirtless stud. The village people played up to the alternative versions of this stud. Think of their biker, the builder, the cowboy. Each of these disco band's characters is a macho, macho man. And they even made a song about him, which we've just heard, Macho Man (laughs) from 78, became the anthem uh, of this new masculinity of the gay community. Although gay life presented a challenge to the patriarchy, somehow the patriarchy came on top again. Mm, Nice use of came <laughs> actually it says came out on top again <laughs> but anyway it's i quite works. like came on top um so yeah so that was um that's one of the re- that's one of the reasons why i chose that song is how like it kind of captures that moment of mm. like the creation the consolidation of this idea this like idealized uh, like manhood yeah. um and even though like up until that point gay men or men having sex with men hadn't you know had been seen as like different as like feminized as Mm. passive and all of that suddenly then through these images and through songs like that you have that um this like suddenly like idealized like super masculine version of that yeah I think that's what's really interesting what's making me think about what you when I when you're talking what I'm thinking about is this point of time this song came out 78 right and then we had HIV and AIDS Mm. hitting a couple of years later Mm -hmm. 82 83 Mm -hmm. Uh, and then what happened next was the sort of 
removal of this hypermasculine identity mm. within the queer community generalizing mm. because we wanted to make everyone feel like we were just like them. We are the same as you too. We are not these people who are going to infect you, going to kill you, going to wipe you out. Mm. We, we are the same as you too. So you, you see this big shift from that 70s, not, you know, leather culture continues mm -hmm. still to this day and, and did throughout this period of time. But there was a real shift in those sort of internal politics that were happening mm. and those conversations that were happening within what we would call now the LGBTQIA plus communities where there became a uh, moving away of the othering of us, where mm. we, we were embracing that othering mm. and a sort of movement towards things like equal marriage mm. and why that is important because yeah. we want what you have too because we are the same as you. The yeah, assimilation. Assimila assimilationist agenda, yeah. There it is, exactly. yeah. Um, we've got to we've got to keep going. We've got to keep going. We've got to go to another song. Fantastic. This one's super long. Um, it's a it's a it's a remix by Blank and Bones. Uh, and um, Tash, do you want to introduce this song because you know about you know what the original was? But I'm going to play you the I'm going to play this amazing remix. I, Adam, I would love nothing more. Relax by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Thank you. 
Sploosh, when you want to come. <laughs> so I heard that remix on this show that was on uh, Radio 6, BBC Six Music um, a few months ago. Uh, and it was a show that was specially, like one of those like special playlist ones. And it was by Honey Dijon, the mm. um, DJ, producer, electronic musician. And they had picked that version of that song. And I was like, wow, I just love that version. Um, so yeah, that was great. I heard it on Six Music. Amazing. So that's what in 2021 yeah. you had it on Six Music. So yeah. when it was released in 1983, it was banned by the BBC. <gasps> they they banned. They, yeah, because of its overtly sexual nature, overtly <laughs> sexual nature, and the fact that two of the band members were openly gay as well oh. just made it all the more worse. Oh, wow. There was even like this on-air insane on-air rant from on a from a BBC DG like from a BBC Radio One DJ. Uh, just just mouthing off about how wow. they blacklisted it. No wow. more, cried the BBC. We will not do this. But what they did, what they actually did in doing that, Adam, is, is add weight to a, something that you and I talk about a lot, yeah. that I care about a lot, and that is censorship. <laughs> Hidden history. Censorship. censorship yes. yes. So what people say when they look back at different histories, when we look into the mm. into history, what's going on here? Who's not? Whose story isn't being told? Mm. And as a society, we talk about this as a hidden history. But you and I know full well, mm. and we have totally leaned into this a lot in the work that we make together, that these histories have always existed, but they've mm. been censored, just like this song was censored by the BBC. And the thing about censorship, right, it's like any form of repression, including yes. repression against an individual because yeah. of their body and their sexuality and their desires, is you just can't, you can't repress it. Like yeah. censorship usually makes a big sploosh explosion like that did. And I bet that probably <laughs> like helped them. They probably went further in the charts because of that. A hundred percent. I think it actually it added, the controversy added to the sales yeah. of the song. But what it does make me think about now, because we, we are, you know, we're understanding this in 2021, censorship and hidden histories, the language is moving on, but it's only very recent language that mm. that's been evolving to change to talk about it. Mm. That makes me think about the future, right? What mm. will be the censored histories yeah. of the future? What are we creating yeah. now? What are we talking about now yeah. that we're actually censoring without what are realizing? We miss- what are we missing? What, what are, are we gaps? missing now? Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's kind of like daunting to think about. Like, I don't know about you, but for me, like as a writer and yeah. as a podcast maker, we make a podcast together. It's called The Logbooks, by the way. You should listen <laughs> to it. Um, and like, yeah, just thinking about like, well, what are the gaps? What are we missing? Um, what is What are our biases meaning that we're overlooking? Um, if you know as long as we're not like actively saying like we're not like this radio DJ on B on Radio 1 or whatever saying like no to gay sex yeah definitely um, yeah but it's also fascinating isn't it because the language that we're using even today to talk about the 80s on reflection Mm. the censorship Mm. is language that wasn't available at that point Mm. in the 80s so then it leads into a conversation around how do we really understand what we're censoring if we didn't have the language to talk about it Mm. if you think about gender identity Mm. non-binary gender non-conforming this is all language Language that is a uh, new language, language of the future. If we're looking back in the 80s, yeah. but it didn't mean that those people didn't exist. That's it, because like, like we look back at like certain stars now in the 80s, people yeah. like Adam and and yeah. you know even earlier like David Bowie, Annie Lennox, all these people, and we're like, oh, it's interesting to think about what their gender identity is and what their yeah. gender presentation is and how they would describe themselves now, um, and how artists that are doing similar things now how they describe themselves. Absolutely. And Mm. what's so fascinating about Mm. that is if we're looking at this question that we're talking about today, what is the history of the future? Mm. It's exactly that. So if we were in the 80s and we're looking to the future, how is our time going to be analysed in the future? What Mm. is the history of the future? It's exactly that. It's it's something that we'll never be able to explain or understand because 
it's so far into the future that we only look back on the history with the reflection of where we are today. Oh my God, I'm dizzy. <laughs> and we need to introduce the next song because um, this song is from an artist who is visiting us from the future. Yeah. That's how I think of this artist. And uh, when I first heard the, um, the, the music by this artist, I was like, I was just like, wow, that that music just kind of like, it just blows my mind. Yeah. And it feels like, it feels futuristic, mm-hmm. um, but also it's it's doing something more than just like sounding futuristic, whatever that even means, you know, like laser beams and zappy things. It, it's got that, but it just sounds, it just like it's idiom is, mm. is somehow from a different time from where we are now. How do we make sense of it now? Exactly. So we're going to listen to Bip by Sophie. can make you feel better if you let me <laughs> oh you sang it as well Adam I just won't inflict that on anyone my singing so Sophie unfortunately is someone who is no longer in the world with us who died very recently very tragically 
in this quite I don't know I've been thinking a lot about Sophie's death Sophie in uh, Greece on their balcony with their phone reaching to take a picture of the moon Mm. which is an interesting thought in itself because there's sort of futuristic element to that but Mm. at the same time everything that we see in the sky of course is in the past and (laughs) and then they fell and Sophie fell and Sophie died yeah I know Sophie's someone that that you've written about in your book Adam yeah um I just think Sophie like exists um like simultaneously in our minds and in our futures and I was not aware that much of Sophie's music until Sophie died and I think actually you I've I learned about Sophie from you because Mm. you texted in this WhatsApp group that we're a member of Sophie's just died Mm. and I didn't know who Sophie was and so I went to the music listened to it I was writing Deep Sniff at that time and I was like oh my god this music like just fits with this book and with these themes and it was that was very much like a feeling that I had about Mm. the music and I had to do some thinking about well how do I express that feeling in language and and how is it connected to the themes of the book which is about which is a book about poppers and about gay sex about gay male identity and um and that was the key really because it was about identity and about labels and how and that's what I realized that's why Sophie's a visitor from the future because um Sophie's music exists at this level like above the materiality of Mm. things like labels Mm. and um some of Sophie's lyrics are things like without my legs or my hair without my jeans or my blood with no name and no type of story where do I live? Tell me, where do I exist? And I think Sophie exists in our minds um, and in the future. And I think that producing music that's like so full of, of pleasure, because that music gives us pleasure. That yeah. makes us want to dance. Like we were just like yeah. moving there in our chairs. It makes us want to dance, gives us that pleasure. And um, Sophie like brings identity to the surface. And that's kind of one of the themes of the book is how um, like identity is a feeling that we have like yes we use these labels to describe it but for me identity is a feeling like you know who you are mm. you know that's the feeling and then yes we can use labels yes we can use words but they never really manage to capture how we feel who we are totally and that's for me what Sophie does so I put in the book inside Sophie's words performances and final act is the queer utopia of always grasping, always dreaming of a freer life. The music Sophie left behind is an expression of one person's pure identity as opposed to categorization. You might call it soul. Let Sophie be our guide to queer utopia. I don't mean a destination or even a time. I mean a feeling. Queer utopia is the feeling that your body is yours. It's free and full of potential and it's not poisoned by anyone or their ideas. I love that. And what I love about it is that it captures what I believe Sophie was doing, which is a really queer thing. And that's breaking, Mm. not breaking down boundaries, ignoring the boundaries, Mm. ignoring the barriers, Mm. deconstructing the whole system of which we have been brought up Mm. in and saying, no, I don't belong within these. And actually, what do these even do? They Mm. don't make any sense. Let's just break through them all. Let's create this new sound completely, you know, completely like overwhelming us with these new noises these Mm. new ways of beats being like mixed together pushing things where actually at first it feels a bit not right Mm. and then you listen more and suddenly it feels so good and someone else who i think is breaking down those boundaries especially within the electronic music scene is the artist planning to rock and we're going to play one of their tracks now called much to touch What's too much for you? And I will give you some more. 
Tash, you look like you've transcended. <laughs> Why did you pick that song? That was your choice. Yeah, Match Detached Pine to Rock. It's a daily, daily thing for me, ascending to their music. But I, I think like any queero, I am obsessed with the idea, Match Too Touch, of being too much. Why, why are we too much? What is too much? Who is telling me that I'm too much? Am I too much or are you not enough? And this Oof. is what I can't stop thinking about, especially mm. when we're thinking about those things that we we're talking about just now around boundaries mm. and barriers mm. and censorship. Mm. Like, why are you finding this too much? Mm. I want to start saying to people, if you feel like I've had it said to me so much, so many queer people have had it said to them, yeah. so many women, non-binary, trans, 
black people, people of color have yeah. all been told that they're too much at one point. Can you point just tone another. it down a little, please? Yeah, yeah. could you just a little bit you're like... You're scaring a, the mm, kids, yeah. You're scaring the kids, yeah. yeah. We, we don't really like that. Could you just go and stand over there or like yeah. maybe just do what you want to, but just don't do it in front of us. Mm. And I've been thinking about this so much uh, and around taboos and like where the root of those are coming from. And the one thing that I'm sort of settling on is if I am being told that I'm too much, that is because that person is not enough. Mm. And if they think I'm too much, they need to stop and they need to think mm. and they need to understand why it feels like I'm too much because no one should ever be told that they're too much. Yes. We are just enough. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Wow. And then how is that? And also how is that going to be seen in the future? Like what well, is being, because exactly. some of the things now that we take, like for granted are like um things that were too much in the past yeah like um i you know when if i see like two um like a gay couple walking down the street holding hands yeah, yeah. like it's kind of mundane now in many ways right or a gay couple getting married or something mm. like it's a whole other it's a whole other podcast and yeah. radio show about, <laughs> about marriage but like i'm not gonna do that now but it's kind of mundane now in our culture and in our level of freedom that we have where we live that's great um, but in the past, that was way too much. That yeah. was like, oh my God, like two men holding hands in the street. No, you know, like hide that away. And now it's not at all too much. It's mundane. Uh, yeah, agreed. I, I would also like kind of challenge that as someone who was brought up in uh, in a world in which it was too much, that when mm. I see it now, I still see it. Mm. I still yeah. see it every time. And I still, every time I walk into a bar yeah. and if I'm with someone that I'm, you know, going to be kissing, then mm. I look around and I feel like I've, I've noticed exactly what feels safe and what doesn't feel safe yeah, about this space. Right. But what I like about that song that planning to rock does and the way that they push these boundaries it's from mm. their album powerhouse if you haven't heard it 2018 it's incredible go listen to it so so many good songs is that they in that song say mm. if i'm much too touch if i'm too much then tell me and i'll give you some more Oof. i will not back down Double. i will not change to be who i yeah. am this is exactly who i am and if you can't deal with it let me give you some more and you work out why I am an issue to you. Put wow. it back, throw it back onto people. People who create the barriers and boundaries around us and our expression. Mm. It isn't us who has to fight for our rights. Yes, we do every day, every mm. fucking goddamn day. Mm. But actually, we're not the ones who've created this society of constraint. Yes. And and why are we not pushing back and saying to yeah. these people, why don't you work out why you put this exactly. constraint Exactly, push on us? through that and just like break through and like allow people to live you know in their bodies who they are. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And what do we need to do when we look into the future and think about what can we be challenging now to change the history of that future? And that's where we can conclude this episode, <laughs> Tash. That's an amazing point to leave it on. Thank you, Tash, so much for being an amazing guest with oh, all it. the energy so and fun. all the references. I love it. Um, thank you to the amazing musicians yeah. who we played in this uh, in this episode. Um, and Carl Neville at Repeater Radio. Uh, I'm Adam Smith. I'm the author of Deep Sniff, A History of Poppers and Queer Futures. And there are two other episodes in this mini-series that I encourage you to listen to. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs>